You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. Today we're actually going to answer a question we got from our YouTube audience, and that is Does self storage qualify for reps? Someone watched the video on car washes and had this question. We get this question a lot from Tax Smart investors as well as clients. So we decided to clear the air. So again, we're going to be covering and answering the question Does self storage qualify for reps? And then related tax issues associated with that. So we're going to jump into that. In just one second after a quick word from Driftwood Capital. Driftwood Capital is a vertically integrated real estate investment firm with a focus on hospitality assets. For more than 25 years, the principals at Driftwood Capital have built deep relationships with brands, lenders, and brokers, unlocking direct access to institutional-grade investments for its network of over 1,500 accredited investors. Driftwood finds deals, completes due diligence, creates the business plan, secures financing, and closes the deal with its own capital. Then Driftwood offers accredited investors the opportunity to invest directly in these deals with a minimum of $50,000, enabling you to create a diverse portfolio that meets your financial goals. It's time to start building your portfolio today. Visit www.driftwoodcapital.com CPA to learn more. Again, that's www.driftwoodcapital.com CPA to learn more. That's all for now. And without further ado, we'll jump right into today's episode. And we're back. And today we're going to be discussing the question, does self-storage qualify for reps? And then we're going to be answering some related tax issues. So let's just start with that first question. Does self-storage qualify for the real estate professional status? And this actually came from our prior podcast episode, I believe, right? This question. Because right, the prior right. podcast episode, we were talking about car washes right. not qualifying for real estate professional status. And then somebody asked, what about self-storage facilities? Do they qualify for real estate professional status? We've got an interesting episode here for you to right, explore right. that. And anyway, we got this question before, so it, it's about time we cover it and kind of clear the air on that, on this topic. And we should uh, we should actually, at the end of this episode, just remind people, like a really quick summary of that car wash episode too, because I think that'll be, it'll be good to kind of compare right. the differences. But there for all of our new listeners, if you're, if this is your first time tuning in, real estate professional status is kind of like the golden tax strategy for real estate investors. If you can qualify as a real estate professional, then your rental losses can be used against your regular W-2 income, business income, capital gain, dividends, interest, that type of thing. If you don't qualify as a real estate professional, then you're subject to the passive activity loss rules and then your passive losses can only offset passive income. Rentals are passive. So you can end up like buying rentals, creating a whole lot of passive losses and not being able to use the losses. Instead, they just get suspended and carried forward. So that's why qualifying as real estate professional is like a big deal. And that's why it's talked about a lot. That's why we talk about it a lot. And that's why we have how many episodes now? Seven, six, seven, seven episodes dedicated seven to it. Dedicated seven. to it, if not more, frankly, if you just look at the other episodes where we talk about it and it's not in that series. Yeah. So if you can Google it, you can go to Apple, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you use. You can go to our website, realestatecpa.com and click on podcast. But if you Check out the TaxSmart REI podcast and you scroll down or search for reps, R-E-P-S. You'll find all those episodes. But that's really good. If you don't know what reps is, if you don't know what real estate professional status is, that's a really good 
place to start. It's like six hours of content on right. <laughs> real right. estate professional status. And also, if Brandon's also going to be doing a masterclass this quarter on the passive activity rules within the TaxSmart Insiders community. So if you do want to check that out, you can go to www.taxsmartinvestors.com to learn more. Um, yeah, there's I'm, a lot of tax advisors that are, I'm seeing like, oh my God, another reps thing, another short-term rental thing. I just want to say sorry, everybody. But like, <laughs> there's just so much bad information out there. Though. That's why we just dedicate so much time to it. So Right, right. All right. So kind of just diving right in here. I think if we're going to ask the question, does self-storage qualify for the real estate professional status? The first thing we have to ask is, does it qualify as a real property trader business? And if so, which real property trader business does it qualify as? So there's 11 real property trades or businesses for real estate professional status, right? And, and what we're really talking about here is the hours. So real estate professional status, you have to spend 750 hours and more time in a real property trader business than you do anywhere else. So the question becomes, well, if I'm doing this type of work or if I'm doing X type of work, do the hours that I spend doing that work count towards the real estate professional status tests? And to answer that question, we have to figure out, are you working in a real property trade or business? There's 11 real property trades or businesses. So when somebody asks, does self-storage count for real estate professional status? That's what we have to try to figure out. Which real property trade or business does self-storage fall into? Which of the 11 does self-storage fall into? Right. And you know, I think based on what we have here in the regulations, that it's pretty clear that it is a real property rental. And uh, rental activity is indeed one of the 11 real property trades or businesses. And you can find the definitions of the real property trades or businesses under reg section 1.469-9. But when you look at the rental definition under the dash nine regs, it actually points you to a different regulation section, 1T, right? 469-1T. So if we go there, what are we seeing? So basically, definition of rental activity is, in general, A, during such taxable year, the tangible property held in connection with the activity is used by customers or held for use by customers, and the gross income attributable to the conduct of such activity during the taxable year represents the amounts paid or to be paid permanently for the use of such tangible property without regard to whether the property is used by customers in pursuant to a lease or pursuant to a service contract or other arrangement. So basically what it's saying here is that a rental activity is a piece of tangible property, which self-storage facility is held out to customers and they're paying for the use of such tangible property. Yeah. So far it's sounding like a self-storage facility does qualify as a rental real property trader business, which is one of the 11. Rental is one of the 11 real property trades or businesses. But there are exceptions to the right. definitions you just read. There's six exceptions. Let's go through those. So the first one is the average period of customer use is seven days or less. This is actually where you find the short-term rental loophole, the exception, right? Because a short-term rental is typically rented seven days or less on average. Therefore, it's not a rental activity. Therefore, it's not a real property rental. It's not a real property rental. It's not one of the 11 real property trades or businesses. By that definition, your hours would not count towards real estate professional status, right? And you know that's assuming that it doesn't qualify for another one of the 11 real property trades or businesses. But right, right. that's where you find the short-term rental stuff. So again, that exception says the average period of customer use is seven days or less. I don't know many, any, I don't know any self-storage yeah clients that are renting seven days or less. So we're going to move on from that exception because 
that's highly unlikely for self-storage. Yeah, people usually aren't dropping their, it's going to go and you pack up a U-Haul, put it in there for seven days or less. Usually it's, it's a longer term thing. So um, the next exception, though, could get you. Yeah. So B, the next exception right under that is the average period of customer use for such property is 30 days or less and significant personal services are provided by or on behalf of the owner of the property in connection with making the property available for customer use. Now, excluded personal services are those that are required to maintain the property for occupancy, right? So trash, maintenance, cleaning, that type of thing. That's not personal services. Personal services is doing something extra. So if I'm in a self-storage facility, if I'm thinking about a self-storage facility, it might be like a front office that sells locks, that teaches people how to pack boxes, that gives advice, I don't know, on moving and stuff. I I, I don't know. But, but that would be, that's above and beyond simply renting a unit and maintaining the grounds so that it looks nice so that people rent the units. So that's where the personal services could potentially get you. The next one's extraordinary personal services. But before we move on, just know that if your average period of customer use is 30 days or less, so if we look across all of our units and all of our customers and it's 30 days or less, and I'm potentially providing personal services on top of the rental, right? then I might not have a rental uh, so these again, th- these are exceptions to the definition of a rental activity, and the, it's important to understand the definition of a rental activity because if you do have a rental activity under Section 469, then the hours that you spend working on that rental activity will count for real estate professional status, right? So it will help you with the passive activity loss rules. Right. So the rental activity is basically you're renting tangible property. And as long as you don't meet these exceptions, then you have a rental activity. So if if an exception to the definition of a rental activity is customer use 30 days or less, and I provide personal services, then that would be something to be aware of as a self-storage facility owner, right? If my average period of customer use across all of my customers is 27 days, and I'm also doing these other things, these extra services then I need to consult with the tax advisor to make sure that I'm not tripping that exception. Right. If we move on to the section C, right? So section C, extraordinary personal services are provided on behalf of the owner in connection with the property or making the property available for use. And it further defines what that means, extraordinary personal services. And that is usually for when the rental activity is actually incidental to the services being provided. And the example they provide is, for example, uh, the use of a hospital's boarding facilities, right? You're usually not going to stay at the hospital because you want to sleep over at the hospital, right? Usually you're at the hospital because you're receiving medical services from the medical staff of that hospital and your use of their hospital room is incidental to those services you're being provided. So that's kind of how they define extraordinary personal use, uh, personal services. And again, just to summarize that, that's when you are merely using the real property to receive other services. So yeah. And and the next exception is the rental of such property is treated as incidental to the non-rental activity. So kind of the same example that you just described, I'm in a hospital and I'm staying in the bed. Well, yes, some amount of my payment is rent, but it's the hospital is not a rental activity because they are providing services and the rental piece is incidental to the services that they're providing. All right. So, so far we've covered four exceptions to the definition of a rental activity. The first is 
average period of customer use seven days or less. The second is average period of customer use 30 days or less and personal services are provided. The third is extraordinary personal services are provided. The fourth is the rental is incidental to the non-rental activity. We've got two more exceptions. The next one is the taxpayer customarily makes the property available during defined business hours for non-exclusive use by various customers. Now, we were kind of chatting about this one before we hit go on the podcast here. And basically, the conclusion that we've kind of come to is this is more for retail stores, right? Like office buildings. I open up my store for customers to come in and buy stuff that doesn't make it a rental activity. Uh, Actually, it it excludes it from the definition of a rental activity, right? Right. So that's really what they're going after here. But on a self-storage property, my customers do have exclusive use. So because it says non-exclusive use, then we don't have to worry about that exception. Right. So the last one here is the provision of the property for use in an activity conducted by a partnership, S-corporation, or joint venture in which the taxpayer owns an interest is not a rental activity. So those are the six right there. And you know, right now, I think the only risk we see here would be under the second one, which where the average period of customer use is 30 days or less and significant personal services are being rendered. If your self-storage facility falls under that, you might not have a rental activity, but there, you know, I think the key there is going to have to look at your average stay or your average period of customer use is 30 days or less. You have to make, and that's the thing you'd have to monitor for this even to become an issue for you. Yeah. And if you don't trip any one of these exceptions, then you do have a rental activity because you are renting tangible property and rental is one of the 11 real property trades or businesses, a rental real property trade or business. So the hours that you spend on your self-storage facility will count towards real estate professional status. Now, let's assume that for whatever reason, you don't have a rental activity or that you're battling it out with an auditor and they're saying it's not a rental activity. We think that it's still considered a real property operation. And that's under reg section 1469-9. That's another one of the 11 real property trades or businesses, real property operation. And I'm just going to read the definition here. So the term real property operation means handling by a direct or indirect owner of the real property, the day-to-day operations of a trade or business of this section related to the maintenance and occupancy of real property that affect the availability and functionality of that real property used or held out for use by customers where payments received from customers are principally for the customer's use of the real property. So based on that, we think that a self-storage facility would also fall under real property operation. Now, the reason that the car wash, we, we did a our prior episode on car washes. Now, I think that some practitioners were thinking that a car wash could fall under real property operation. But the problem is, is with a car wash, the customers are not there to use the real property. The customers are there to get a car wash, right? Those are services. Those are extraordinary services that are being provided in conjunction with the real property. The principal use of the real property is not the rental. It's the provision of the significant and the extraordinary personal services. So that's what's going on in a car wash. But you don't have that. In most self-storage facilities, dare I say, all self-storage facilities, I'm sure there's some swanky self-storage facilities out there where they, 
you know, give you a massage while you're. Yeah, but the question <laughs> is, is this, is this all self storage at that point? Like, kind of, you know, self storage. Right. Usually, in my experience, dealing with self storage is usually heavily driven by the customer actually going and doing all of the stuff themselves within the facility. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's self storage, right? So we think that a self storage facility can fall under rental or operation. And rental and operations are two of the 11 real property trades or businesses for real estate professional status. So your hour spent working in a self-storage facility should count towards real estate professional status. You should not have a problem doing that. Whether you qualify as a real estate professional is still up in the air. You have to go and do all the tests and material participation and listen to our prior episodes. But I think we've determined that you are working in a real property trader business. Absolutely. All right, so this is one more wrinkle to throw in here, and that is, just to be clear for everybody who is listening and who has listened to the rep series, okay, because this is a rental activity and does not meet one of the exceptions to the definition of rental activities that we discussed here on this episode and what is popular with the short-term rental loophole, for example, uh, because it does not meet one of those exceptions, it is a rental activity, which means it's passive by default. And to take the losses from a rental activity, you need either need to meet the special loss allowance or you need to qualify as a real estate professional. So if your income is over, your modified adjusted gross income is over 150K, the only way to take losses from a self-storage unit, okay, will be to qualify as a real estate professional. Because it doesn't meet any of the exceptions to the rental activity. And, and that's where that whole short-term rental loophole comes into play, right? The short-term rental you don't have to be a real estate professional because it's not considered a rental activity under these these definitions. But right. you're saying a self-storage facility is a rental activity because it doesn't meet an exception, meaning that you also have to qualify as a real estate professional in order to claim the self-storage. So you couldn't say, well, I'm not going to worry about real estate professional status. I'm just going to say my, my self-storage is a business. I'm going to put it on Schedule C and I'm just going to start deducting my losses. That's not how it works under these rules. It is a rental activity and you would have to qualify as a real estate professional in order to take the losses. Right, right, exactly. Unless you do meet that 30 days right. or less personal services, at which point we think it would be an operation you would not need. Right, right, to right. But you could still, like you wouldn't need to but it would still count. And now we're getting too technical. Yeah, we're getting too technical on all this stuff. We'll leave that for another time. But let's just let me just summarize this one more time to be clear for anybody who's listening, okay? Self-storage is a rental activity, which means under Section 469, it is passive by default. And you, the only way to take losses, or well, the primary way to take losses from such an activity is to qualify as a real estate professional. And you can qualify as a real estate professional if you do have a self-storage facility and you do meet the requirements to qualify as a real estate professional because it is a rental activity. It is one of the 11 real property trades or businesses. So that's all for today's episode. If you do want to learn more about the real estate professional status, go back and check out the rep series here on the podcast. If you want to take it a step further than that, you can go ahead and join our Tax Smart Insiders community where Brandon is going to be doing a master class on the passive activity rules in the first quarter of this year. And the first segment of that, the basics of the passive activity rules is actually already available for replay. And next month's masterclass will be on the real estate professional status. So you can learn more about that by going to www.taxsmartinvestors.com. You can sign up for a 30-day trial of the group and we'll see you on the inside and we'll see you on the next episode of Tax Smart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.